Hello and welcome to A Father's Heart, a podcast for Catholic dads, brought to you by the Diocese of Nottingham. This podcast series will explore Patris Cordier, that is, the apostolic letter written by Pope Francis for the year of St. Joseph. Each month, we'll speak to two dads from around the diocese and explore one of the parts of the document. Each part highlights a different characteristic of St. Joseph as a father. We'll be sharing our thoughts and reflections on this document and how the different fathers from around the diocese try to live this out. Here is this month's episode. Hello and welcome to our final episode of A Father's Heart. I'm afraid this episode comes much delayed than we would have wanted or anticipated. Sadly, it comes after the end of the year St. Joseph. However, coming just before Father's Day is a great time for us to return to think about how we live out this call to be fathers just like St. Joseph. In this episode, as well as drawing on the experience and the thoughts of being biological fathers, today's guests will also be talking about that important role that we play as father figures, of mentors. This is so much needed, not only in our church, but in our society. We'll be speaking to two dads who represent two fantastic Christian organizations who do incredible work in our diocese with children, young people, parents and wider families too. Neil is based in Nottingham and Richard is based in Long Eaton and they share great stories and experiences of being modern day St. Joseph, of being that well-needed father figure, caring for children, mothers and wider families in need just as St. Joseph did for Mary and Jesus. Before we get into today's interview we're going to listen to section four, an accepting father from Pope Francis's letter Patris Cordier. Section 4. An Accepting Father Joseph accepted Mary unconditionally. He trusted in the angel's words. The nobility of Joseph's heart is such that what he learned from the law, he made dependent on charity. Today, in our world, where psychological, verbal and physical violence toward women is so evident, Joseph appears as the figure of respectful and sensitive man. Even though he does not understand the bigger picture, he makes a decision to protect Mary's good name, her dignity and her life. In his hesitation about how best to act, God helped him by enlightening his judgment. Often in life, things happen whose meaning we do not understand. Our first reaction is frequently one of disappointment and rebellion. Jehovah set aside his own ideas in order to accept the course of events, and mysterious as they seemed, to embrace them, take responsibility for them, and make them part of his own history. Unless we are reconciled with our own history, we'll be unable to take a single step forward, we will always remain hostage to our expectations and the disappointments that follow. The spiritual path that Joseph traces for us is not one that explains, but accepts. Only a result of this acceptance, this reconciliation, can we begin to glimpse a broader history a deeper meaning. We can almost hear an echo of the impassioned reply of Job to his wife, who had urged him to rebel against the evil he had endured. Shall we receive the good at the hand of God and not receive the bad? Job chapter 2 verse 10. Joseph is certainly not passively resigned, but courageously and firmly proactive. 
in our own lives, acceptance and welcome can be an expression of the Holy Spirit's gift of fortitude. Only the Lord can give us the strength needed to accept life as it is, with all its contradictions, frustrations and disappointments. Jesus' appearance in our midst is a gift from the Father, which makes it possible for each of us to be reconciled in the flesh of our own history, even when we fail to understand it completely. Just as God told Joseph, Son of David, do not be afraid. So he seems to tell us, do not be afraid. We need to set aside all anger and disappointment and to embrace the way things are, even when they do not turn out as we wish. Not with more resignation, but with hope and courage. In this way, we become open to a deeper meaning. Our lives can be miraculously reborn if we find the courage to live them in accordance with the gospel. It does not matter if everything seems to have gone wrong or something can no longer be fixed. God can make flowers spring up from the stony ground. Even if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Here once again, we encounter the Christian realism which rejects nothing that exists. Reality in its mysterious and irreducible complexity is the bearer of existential meaning with all its lights and shadows. Thus, the Apostle Paul can say, We know all things work together for good for those who love God. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. To which St. Augustine adds, Even that which is called evil. In this greater perspective, faith gives meaning to every event, however happy or sad. Nor should we ever think that believing means finding facile and comforting solutions. The faith Christ taught us is what we see in St. Joseph. He did not look for shortcuts, but confronted reality with eyes open and accepted personal responsibility for it. Joseph's attitude encourages us to accept and welcome others as they are, without exception, and to show special concern for the weak, but God chooses what is weak. He is the father of orphans and protector of widows, who commands us to love the stranger in our midst. I like to think it was from St. Joseph that Jesus drew inspiration for the parable of the prodigal son and the merciful father. Here is today's episode. Welcome everyone to the final episode of A Father's Heart. I've got two great guests with me. I've got uh, Richard and Neil, and uh, they're going to explain a little bit about uh, their roles in a, in a few moments. Uh, with the, for this uh, podcast, instead of uh, speaking about a particular how we are with our own children, which will probably uh, come up, we're going to be thinking about that idea of uh, St. Joseph being this uh, foster father and this image of being a spiritual father or a mentor to those who aren't our own biological children. And Richard and Neil are representing two great organizations here in Nottingham and actually wider in the East Midlands uh, what are doing great things in that. So I'm going to say a big hello to Richard and Neil, I'm not sure who wants to uh, go first to, to just kind of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you, uh, you your family and the organization that you're representing today. Okay, yeah, hi. Um, so yeah, really great to see you, Joe. So I'm um, Neil Fern and um, I'm um, a, a dad of four children um, and also a foster dad as well. Um, so I've got a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, uh, nine, and a six-year-old. Um, 
and we've actually adopted two two of those kids are adopted and two of birth children um and i'm here today kind of representing um a, uh, something called the 100 homes campaign which is um uh, a campaign with churches all over nottingham um about how we um recruit foster carers and support foster carers through the church and um work to kind of meet that need within our city basically that's brilliant thank you neil and over to you richard uh, hi, uh, hi Joe. Thanks for inviting me on. My name is Richard Dawson. I work for an organisation called Safe Families. Have two kids of my own, sixteen-year-old uh, and an eighteen-year-old, who are both today doing exams. So got GCSE and <laughs> A level. Totally wrong planning on that <laughs> uh, to have two uh, in exactly the same in two years apart. So yeah, so you've got two 14, uh, 16 and eighteen-year-old. Uh, Amy's 18, Joel's 16, um, and also, like I say, work for Safe Families, who just has a heart to support isolated families, create belonging and build community around families that just need a bit of extra support. And so we help build community, mainly through the church, and, and help build church around these families to just know that they're not alone. That's brilliant. Um so delighted to speak to you both today because I've known about uh, both uh, organizations, both groups of one incredible work that you're doing. Um, so jumping in with our first question, if we're looking at uh, section four, we've been making our way through a father's heart, this uh, letter that Pope Francis wrote, oh gosh, quite a while ago now, um, but both in the grand <laughs> scheme of Christian writing, if not that long ago, it's only two years. Um, so uh, was there anything that jumped out for you from this kind of section of, of the letter of an accepting father? I mean, from my perspective, just that first line where it says, Joseph accepted Mary unconditionally. Do you know what I mean? Mm, I, yeah. I think, you know, that, what, what jumped out at me is, and I, I love Marvel films as well, so I, uh, I, you're in good company here Richard you're in good company <laughs> I, I grew up my, even before the Marvel fin, films existed my favourite um, Marvel my superhero was Spider-Man that was always my go-to my brother was Superman or Batman but I was Spider-Man all the way and there's been that quote that's always hung around with um, with Spider-Man uh, and it's when his uncle Ben says with great power comes great responsibility and I think we we often live in a world where rights are you know we, we're concerned about our rights rather than our mm. responsibility so yeah. you know i deserve this i deserve that and um when reading this this um this part four and accepting father it was just that sense of hey it's my responsibility and you know what sometimes i'm gonna feel like dumped upon from high sometimes i'm gonna feel like you know people aren't appreciating me sometimes people aren't even going to like me and, and and i fall into the trap sometimes of being a people pleaser like yeah. i feel my value when someone else goes oh rich i love what you did there or oh you're amazing at your job or, <laughs> you know and, and and when you don't get that sometimes you can feel like well what's the point like yeah. and so for me that whole section that summed up with that with you know that sense of responsibility of like you know, this is just what I need to do. And, you know, whatever, however I feel, whatever consequences I get, this is what I need to do. So they were my initial thoughts off the back of it. 
Oh, that's excellent. Thank you. Uh, over to you, Neil. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the, the thing that jumps out about Joseph's story is how kind of un, unpredictable it is. You know, if you <laughs> think about him starting out, you know, he's got this incredible, you know, promise and this incredible responsibility, as, as Richard alluded to. Um, but then it kind of... Do you know, there's a number of elements of the, of the story that are so hard, you know. Yeah. He obviously initially is thinking Mary's cheated on him. He's, he's then, uh, you know, got to travel all this. Yeah, I think it's 96 miles that he had yeah. to travel up to Bethlehem. Because um, I'm into I'm into like long running, <laughs> so I I actually looked I looked up how far they had to travel just out of interest in terms of like how far they had to go and stuff. But um, but yeah, like I I think it's it's his ability to um, yeah to have that good attitude, that really mm. positive approach, you know, when life doesn't work out the way that you think it it's going to be, you know, and I think as a dad, I'm not sure it's possible to get too far along the road without having things that you think, ah, oh, that's, that's harder than I thought, or that, yeah. that didn't work out the way that I would have wanted it to, or, you know, in my mind, when I pictured this moment, <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> like this, you know, and I think that's kind of Joseph's story and that's it. I, but the, but the way that he handles that, um, going back to what Richard was saying earlier about, you know, liking people's appreciation, you know, Joseph, mm -hmm. you know, he, he seems to have kind of got on with life with a real humility. And you get yeah. that comment later in the gospel where they say, oh, G Jesus, like he's just the Nazarene, you know, just yeah. he's, he's Joseph's son. It's like they were just this ordinary family doing this yeah. extraordinary, incredible thing. And um, and I love the way that he is able to go about that without needing to make it about him. And I think, you know, that really speaks to me, you know. that You know, that is so true of kind of like, I think like the kind of the Christmas card, perfect image of kind of like, uh, <laughs> we, we've kind of got in our head of like, kind of like this, of like Mary Joseph <laughs> and Jesus kind of like, oh, this lovely kind of like, baby born kind of like look about the size of a toddler really most of them and because his abs are already yeah like, yeah like he's been working out in the womb and everything yeah. and um do you really think that first christmas was perfect yeah. do you really think joseph like had it went easy for him i don't think he saw his wife giving birth in uh, like a stable <laughs> of being what he had in mind for her and I definitely like agree with like what you're both saying there about how he probably had this idea that about like Mary, what his life is going to be like with Mary, and then just God flips, turns it upside down, really, yeah. and he just rolls with it. He just kind of like, gosh, I wish I could be so accepting of like God's plan. And I think that's what kind of Pope Francis really picks out. Like, if not just once, if then right, okay, you've, like this is this is going to be the case, and then now you've got to go down to uh, Bethlehem. Now you've got to get across to Egypt. Now you've got to get back to uh, Nazareth and all this and just kind of rolls with it. And you made a great point there, Neil, as well, about the kind of just normal family. Uh, for like the majority of Jesus's life, you've just there in Nazareth, providing that normality that Jesus needed to be able to go on 
and do the mission that God, had, God the Father had given him to do, really, of having about 30 years of living a normal family life at home, kind of growing of part of a society, part of a community. And Joseph gave him that security, really. Yeah. And I think, I think you know, there is a real temptation, you know, to, to get... To, to create those moments with your kids that are like those Instagram moments or the Facebook yeah. moment that's like, oh, uh, you know, isn't life perfect? And we've done this, and I, you know, we've done this wonderful thing together and we've seen this amazing <laughs> experience. And that's good. Like, there's nothing that, I mean, obviously that's brilliant if you, if you get, when you get to do those things and if you get <laughs> to do those things. But I think there is a real sweet spot in, in what you're saying around just the ordinary moments. And, and that's a lot mm. of what I kind of, you know, as my kids are getting older, uh, you know, the, the, the things that I really enjoy and the, the moments that I kind of uh, remember are just the ordinary, the ordinary moments, you know, where you just yeah. play in PlayStation together or you're <laughs> in the garden digging for worms or, you know, I've spent literally hours of my life digging for worms and the, I can, like an insane <laughs> amount of time. Like I'm really, really good at spotting, you know, the different types <laughs> of worms, which worms pregnant. We haven't worked out which are boys and girls yet. Cause I don't know if that's possible, but it's like, <laughs> I've dedicated a, a, a huge amount of my life to, to digging for worms in the garden. But it's like those little moments are just are yeah. so precious, you know, they're so important, you know, order, like ordinary moments, exactly. Like what you're saying. Well, we do put that we we kind of put things on, but we put people on pedestals. We put events. You know, we live in a social media world where actually, you know, we we judge our own lives by what other people's lives are, and we have we think we have an insight into people's lives by looking on social media. But the reality is that isn't real life, is it? You yeah. know, real life, like you say, is getting up at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> It's not sleeping well. It's worrying when your kids come home in bits because their exam's gone wrong and they've answered the wrong question. Mm. You know, they're the, they're the moments that, the, that reality kicks in. But also just the like, you know, me sitting downstairs wanting to spend time with the kids and the kids in the room. Like, you know, it, it's that's reality. Yeah. And you need perseverance for that. You need resilience for that. And uh, I think certainly Joseph shows that resilience in through it. And it must build. And, and I think we read the Bible like we read any uh, book or any story at any time. We, we just we just read it and read the words and mm. it's almost like for, for a lot of the time it, it's the facebook of like of joseph's life isn't it yeah. we're just seeing the bits that are highlighted it's yeah. like you know we don't know what you know how jesus what jesus emotions were like were in those first 30 years when he was growing yeah. up we hear about and go to the temple and staying in the temple but that's the only bit in that 30 years you know we don't you know we don't hear that you know he got wound up by his mom, you know, all those kind of <laughs> things that that was his 100% human, yeah. um, we don't read about. And so we've got to be careful when also we read the Bible to not just go, that's it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, because the resilience for Joseph in particular, you only get to see snapshots of his life. And, you know, who knows, he could have been, you know, in tears at points because he just couldn't cope or what God had asked him to do, you know, it wasn't easy. 
he didn't yeah. just go, oh, yeah, okay, God. You know, like, yeah, I can do that. You know, we talk, we're, we're a lot more open now about mental health, aren't we? Yeah. And, and mental health awareness. Who'd have known about the anxiety that Joseph <laughs> was going through? And Mary. Do you know yep. what I mean? All those kind of, you know, for both of them. <laughs> the pressure of... The pressure of being a parent and once again, right, is quite high. But then when you add in, okay, you're parenting the son of God, the savior of the world. It's quite just the anti of it, isn't it, really? (laughs) Don't Um, mess this up. (laughs) Bro, my next question is going to be, um, how have you found, so opening your home and your life to children and families that need your support? So kind of the... 2022 St. Joseph's kind of the way of kind of how he opened Joseph opened his life to Mary and Joseph and protection to Mary and Jesus. Sorry. And uh, in your kind of experience with a hundred homes or with uh, uh, say families, how, how have you um, found that? Yeah. I mean, um, it's been, you know, it's, it's been an incredible privilege, you know, to, to be a foster carer, you know, you get invited to play the role of dad for, a limited time, you know, with children for whom, you know, you're not their dad. And um, it is great to, I mean, we've we've fostered 15 children over 10 years. Um, So to have that connection and that, you know, input into those kids' lives is is just, you know, brilliant. Um, It's also a lot of, you know, it's a lot of boring stuff. It's a lot of washing. It's a lot of nappies. It's a lot of sleepless nights. It's a lot of school runs and journeys in the car to drop kids off with parents. There's there's a lot of that. Um, but then to be the the feedback that we often get, you know, when you tell people you're a foster carer, the most common response that that we get to that kind of, uh, you know. Uh, statement, I guess, is, um, you know, is, oh, I, I couldn't do it because, you know, I, I'd, uh, I wouldn't be able to let them go. Um, and that's, that is one of, you know, the hardest bits about, mm. um, about being a foster dad is, it, you know, when you, 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 you're in a, the children are in care because they're in a very difficult situation in their lives and, and their parents are, are in a, and probably extended family as well are, are in a really difficult situation in their lives. Um, so you're kind of entering this this really difficult time, and um, you know, and and you don't have any authority in the sense of, you know, the uh, a lot of time it's different for different kids, but a lot of the time. The local authority have 50% parental responsibility and the parent has 50%. So any decision that is made about the child's life for a long time is is down to the courts to kind of break that deadlock and and make those key decisions. Um, So that's, but as a foster carer, (laughs) your percentage is zero. (laughs) So that's, (laughs) that's the influence that you have over deciding you know, what happens. Obviously, you have a lot of authority that you earn through your relationship and a lot of influence and input that you have because you're with the child, you know, 24-7. So from that side, but but yeah, in terms of in terms of the loss side of it, you know, that is that is definitely 
definitely the hardest part of it. Um, and saying goodbye to kids that you care about, so who are sometimes moving to situations that you wouldn't have chosen for them, um, is is kind of is kind of I don't know. It's not really. It's gut wrenching. It's it, it, there's a grieving process that happens, um, and it's really hard. And and then obviously to put on top of that the fact that we do that as a family, so we're experiencing that. You know, my six-year-old goes through that and my nine-year-old and, you know, all the kids. Mm. So it's, you know, that's one of the hardest things. But um, but we kind of, I think there's a, there's a narrative, there's a narrative that in kind of modern parenting that, that we've kind of tried to reset in the way that we do things, which has helped us to kind of process some of the loss and the, the difficult sides of fostering. Um, and I think the narrative that we get told is that our main priority as parents is to keep kids safe. Yeah. Now, obviously, that's a part of being a parent. You want to protect them. Um, but I think if it, we, we limit ourselves if we see that as our main focus and role. Um, you know, I've, I've got to avoid my kid experiencing anything negative. I've got to shield them from all pain, all suffering, all difficult feelings i've got to you know i've got to kind of shield them from the world outside from a, a friend who might say oh, i don't want to be a friend anymore or from do you know what i mean and and i yeah. think there's we've almost like created a culture where it's like our job is to stop all of that and i just don't think that's a realistic approach to life you know i think yeah. the main job for a parent is and this is how we kind of try to live our lives is like to invite children on an adventure through life, you know, to invite kids into a story that you're telling, which is a partnership between you and God. And you're saying, look, we, me and God have tried, we're trying to develop this thing and we, we see the world like this and we want to make our contribution to the world in this way. And we'd love you guys to, we'd love you guys to be a part of that for a few years. And, We'd love to invite you into some of that because then the the pain and the suffering that everyone inevitably encounters in life, and I think this speaks yeah. to some of the mental health stuff that we were touching on earlier. Mm. It's like, why do we have such a challenge in this day and age when materially and you know technologically yeah. we're so advanced, you know, and yet we we've got you know a crisis of mental health in our country mm. and and especially some of the stories that come out about teenagers and young people yeah. younger and younger experiencing mental health challenges i think part of the solution to that is to say actually my job as a parent is not to complete is obviously to to shield you from things that would crush you or destroy you or do you know what i mean the the the, the big things of life but more than that, to invite you on this adventure into this story that we're telling that somehow brings meaning to the tough things that you go through in life. Because then those tough experiences then have a have a reason. You know, it's like yeah. we're on with this journey, we're on with this thing, and we want to contribute to the world in this way. And as a result of that, there is going to be some tough moments. There's going to be some difficult times. And but you know, it kind of makes more sense of the world if I think if you kind of live your lives as parents in that way, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. It goes back to building resilience, don't it? You can't build resilience mm. unless you've been through 
some tough times because yeah. you know and i you know see children young people i'm involved in musical theater as well and i'm directing a youth group at the minute and and you see some parents that feel their hearts in the right place you know they mm. want to protect their children and mm. they in some ways they are protecting them while they're under their care but as soon as they kind of step out of that they've not got the personal skills the characteristics to be able to to live a life that is functional because every time something traumatic hits they just can't cope yeah and uh and so i really agree with what neil was saying there in terms of i love the idea of that we're on this we're in this story yeah. we're on this journey and actually well. let's work through this together so that actually when you, when our stories and journeys separate you live your own story and journey that enables you to support other people and, and journey with other people and uh, yeah about not doing life on their own richard tell us a little about your experience with safe families and um, i think you know a lot of the the, the i suppose the, the the one of the biggest differences with uh, safe families and fostering is mm. parents have still got 100% parental consent so um, the two main roles of volunteering that people can get involved with with safe families is overnight hosting so for example if a parent's gone into hospital for emergency um, operation or um, they just need respite because they're just they're just so isolated so we may do that or also the other role is a family friend so either getting alongside the mom or the dad or getting alongside the children uh, and just you know once a week once a fortnight once a month spending time with with them and I, and i think my reflection certainly is the family so, so we would <clears throat> excuse me we would support a family as a whole so even though you know we might just be taking the kids out for a couple of hours a week it's that's about helping provide the 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 network of support for the parents so they can parent better i think so often we can and rightly so we focus on the children and making sure the children are being brought up right but actually if um if the parents don't feel like they're loved they're valued they're in the right place it's really hard for them to parent you know it's hard to look after my kids if i'm not in a good place uh, if i think that everyone's out to get me then i've got to process that it's really hard to be a really good positive parent because all your energy is being taken up by your own self-worth your own issues that kind, that kind of thing so i think from my perspective really passionate about you know making sure that dads families as a whole feel they're not trying to do it on their own you know they used to be i don't know whether it was simon and garfunkel or or whether just one of them they they sang this song uh i am an island i am a rock and that, that idea that i think culturally we try and, and i'm as guilty as the next person even even in a family of two up two down i still try and do things on my own and it's because sometimes it's easier sometimes i'm scared of having that conversation because you know other people will be honest with me and rightly yeah, so and yeah. i need that um but i know I'm, I'm i still know i'm loved and i still know i'm valued and and so often a lot of the families we work with 
don't have that experience and certainly if they're if they've hit a crisis and they've needed wider social care support often all the support they get is people saying right you need to do this you need to do that and no one's just going hey how you doing are you doing okay yeah life's tough isn't it but you know what i'm standing with you you know and, and i think for me that's a really important part of life in general whether that's for me as a dad me as a staff member at say families me as a husband uh, me as someone who leads a mission or community in long eaton they're all things that kind of go i need people to go hey you're going through a tough time but i'm with you in this and and i think certainly for guys as well that's really hard so we have a we we, we have very few male volunteers because it it's not a natural thing to do for guys. And uh, and a few of the volunteers that we've had, it's really interesting because a mom with a female volunteer will just go and have a coffee with them and they'll have a chat because that's what we do. And in, in some ways, church is very feminine because, and I know Neil's found this, that's why he runs Running Hot, this stuff that he does and, and kind of lots of stuff for guys and girls, but certainly guys can connect with it. Um, uh, more relevantly um but for for guys to kind of just meet up with another guy that's really hard you know we can go for a beer but actually that's really hard to just talk because we're not used to opening up so what we found is that actually a number of our male volunteers have said oh Rick, you know we're just struggling to talk about anything like what are the themes so what's really helpful is doing something with someone so you're not eye-to-eye contact, and so you're not true. kind of, but you're putting a roof on a shed, you know, or you're driving somewhere where the conversation just happens. Um, because actually guys need to know that they're not alone as much as anyone else, you know, as much as women do. We're still social animals. We're not, society perhaps wouldn't encourage that because it's not right for guys to, you know, share their feelings or be vulnerable. I think it's getting better. Um, but actually, how many of us like passively connect with other guys? Mm. Not many. Whereas women do it all the time. Yeah. You know, whereas for us guys, we have to be more intentional. And yeah. being intentional takes hard work. It means that we have to put things in the diary. We have to kind of block time out to go and see my mate or, or ring them up and say, hey, how are you doing? Mm. Um, and that mm. takes time for them to even respond in that way to, to the real answer to how you do it. Yeah. Um, mm. And so for me, there's a real important role uh, for guys to just make ourselves available to other guys that then can help them be better dads. I mean, Mother Teresa said the problem with the world is we draw our circle of family too small, mm. you know, and I would say that for the church as well. You know, yeah. what we do amazing stuff within the, with the people that we know in the four walls of our building. Yeah. Someone that we see on a Sunday morning or in our church group is going through, you know, just needs a bit of help, just needs a bit of support. We jump on that. We're like, yeah, we'll do that. I wonder how powerful it would be if what we did for those people in those four walls, we did in the wider community. Yeah. 
you know. I, 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 of a talk, gosh, it must be it's hard to date things anymore because of COVID, but yeah. it must be about three or four years ago now, where um, one of the speakers said, like, if, um, if your church doors close tomorrow, apart from those who gather on a Sunday, what impact would it have on your community? And it's like, for me, I'm like, oh, actually, yeah. The women institute would have probably have to find another place to meet once a month or whatever it is, or like the the weekly bridge game would have to move to a different church or it's just kind of like oh actually yeah we we are very internal focused and I think if, if something as as a diocese and these religions here which we're trying to kind of move away from because that's what the church the church was never supposed to be that it was never like it it, it, was, it was always supposed to be to kind of we were. God's presence in a particular community, really, and to transform that community. So, yeah, there's, there's so much um, great wisdom in there, what you said. Um, kind of started to kind of hear come through with my next question is um, how have uh, this volunteering and the kind of how that shaped your faith in your, your, your family life? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think so often, you know, we can feel like we're in control. <laughs> I think that's the that's the delusion that we're kind of all under. <laughs> um, and I think you know, being a foster family is um, it it does just remind you that there's a lot of things that are outside of your control. You know, um, and yeah, I mean, it, it just goes back to to Joseph's acceptance of what God had in store for him and his kind of understanding that this wasn't, it kind of wasn't his story to write, you know, he was just following, you know, following God with it. Um, but, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess fostering it, it does, it teaches you, so, you know, so much, but I think that's probably the biggest thing. Um, but I mean, a lot of people think that feel like fostering is out of reach, you know, that you have to be, yeah a superhuman to kind of do it or you have to be something really special and through the 100 homes campaign we've tried we tried to talk to churches about get like let's get involved um in some way uh, there's there's actually lots of ways that you can kind of get involved um so we talked to churches about like everyone can pray for yeah. you know the, for social workers for kids in care for foster carers um, many of us can support, you know, either by connecting uh, with, you know, with say families, we can support another family or support a foster carer with practical help or being a, a, a babysitter. So foster carers need registered DBS checked uh, course, babysitters, yeah. basically, to look after, you know, your kids like a support group. So if you're up for being, you know, DBS checked, you know, uh, to do that, then that is a huge help for, you know, foster families to be able to, you know, for me and Helen to get out on a date or, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Or do yeah. something different or, you know, go to an event or, or do something. So, so we, so we say, yeah, everyone can pray. Many people can support and some people can foster. Um, but actually fostering is like really accessible. You need, um, the, the, there's so many barriers that people perceive that there is that actually aren't there. Um, so whether, you know, you're a single person or 
whether you rent your property rather than own it, or there's so many things that are kind of mis misinformation about or, or perceptions that people have that kind of rule them out of fostering. Um, so we always talk about you have to have room. You, you've got to make room, basically. So room in your house, uh, you have to have a spare bedroom. Room in your life, you have to have the time to mm. do the, the runs and the kind of to input into the child. And then um, room in your heart, you know. So we, talk, we just talk about kind of making room. But also, like, when Helen first... Um, sorry, I might be going a bit off subject. No, no, here, fine, but, fine. Um, when Helen first talked to me about fostering, like I was really like, I don't think this is the right time. I'm not sure I'm yeah. the right person. I had so many kind of things that were like, you know, because our kids were like three and one uh, when we started. So it was like, I was like, is it this doesn't feel like the right time? You know, so we and then we went through the process for a year. So by the time we were approved as foster carers, they were like four and two. So again, it was like in my head, it was like you can't be a foster carer when you've got young kids. Yeah, that was like the thing for me. And then it was like, oh yeah, but we could take on babies. We could make sure they're younger than our own. So it's like it's not. You don't go from, uh, you know, thinking about fostering to like you don't have to go into it knowing all the answers. You know. You can turn up to like one of the information events that we run or um, an event uh, through the local council and find out more without being committed to yeah. like do anything. And I think that's a lot of what faith is about, isn't it? You know, like, and I'm sure that's like Joseph's experience is like, <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do this next bit that I know I've got <laughs> to do. And then we'll figure out, like, let's get to Bethlehem. Then yeah. we'll figure out where we can. That's clearly what they did because yeah. they ended up in a stable. But um, it's like, let's do the next bit that we know, take that step, and then, you know, God's going to help us along the way, you know. So I wonder whether there's, I think a lot of the time we always look at the end product and we always kind of go, um, right, that's what I want to achieve. And right. so when anything comes along in the way of that, we kind of go, well, that's that i don't want that i don't want to cope with that um something that very early on in my own face um i had a conversation with one of my friends uh, it wasn't a christian and uh i'd become a christian and we were chatting about you know oh why did you you know is it is it about going to heaven is that what it's about and for me my faith don't get me wrong i'm looking forward to that <laughs> but but my faith is more about you know how I live my life on the earth and the, and the use yeah. God has for me on the earth. That, that's, that's the main reason, you know, you know, I have a relationship with God and, 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 and that's what I was created to have. But actually what, what bothers me most is how can I make a difference in this world rather than what happens after this? Uh uh, I, I know you mentioned earlier, Richard, like uh, about Mother Teresa, about saying about the kind of uh, idea of family is too small. I remember her being asked, like, how, by, I think it was a, a young journalist, like, how can I have a big impact on the world? And she said, go home and love your family. Come on. And if, uh, I, I, I've like, it's, uh, I think there's great wisdom in that and kind of doing what we've been called to with great love, if really, of, of that. And our, the great thing about love is our capacity to love doesn't get smaller; it just grows. If like I remember, I, I did from like theological study, and it was like 
trying to get my head around the Trinity, which we'll never get ahead around, but it's kind of <laughs> saying like, it's a, and an example of kind of given like, of saying like, when you have a second child, you don't love your child half as much. Your capacity to love grows. And uh, like, and with, with, with God, like this is, we haven't kind of breaking a part of God in having the, uh, the three persons. It's if, uh, the, uh, the, um, this love kind of grows really. And I'm very much picking this up from you two and your experience in say families from home fostering of actually fostering, if not about, okay, now I've got to love my children less or volunteering with say families of like, I, I can't be me as much actually God gives you that capacity to kind of, to deal with it really. So that's mm. incredible. And, and kind of leaning into that, if there are any kind of good news stories that, uh, you're able to share with us about your time, either with say families or in Fofter Neil with uh, 100 Homes. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was, there's lots of, you know, different stories through the years with the different kids that we've connected with. But um, the one that kind of really springs to mind is um, a lad that we had come and stay with us from, I think, about six months old. And um, um, his, um, Obviously, I'll keep the details of course, kind yeah, of vague, of vague enough. Yeah. But um, but he moved his 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 mum and dad had moved over from a different country. They'd met in a in an in another country and um, had the baby in another country. And then they'd come on the, on this really long and incredibly stressful and very difficult journey um, and ended up in in the UK um, and. Um, He'd he'd been brought into care because of an incident that happened, um, and they basically social care had said, look, there's there's another baby on the way as well, and I think if we expect these two children to come, you know, into care and to ultimately be the plan for adoption, so that was what the local authority said to us. So we want you guys to start thinking. Is, is that something you would consider with these two children? So we've kind of got that going off yeah. in our hearts and in our head, and we're thinking, okay, is that the right thing for us? Um, and it also kind of fitted with um, some stuff that God had spoken to us about that we felt led to. So we were like taking that, taking this information, thinking, okay, maybe there's a fit, you know, when you're trying to like piece it all together. Um, and over the first three months of having this lad with us, it became really clear that to us that we felt the local authority hadn't given the mom sufficient chance, Mm. um, to have this, to, to show that she could care for this child. So we, after going on this journey in our heart and in our head to be like, okay, is this kid, you know, going to stay? And, and maybe there'll be another one that might come and stay as well, like his sister. It's then like, it's becoming more and more obvious every meeting and everything that it's like, this doesn't feel comfortable. Um, excuse me. Um, and I remember thinking, could I look this kid in the eye when they were like 15 and say, I did everything I could to like do what was right for you? Um, so I knew, even though it still wasn't clear how it was going to finish up, and the local authority was still of the same position, we took the decision that we were going to advocate for the mom 
and we were going to talk to the social worker and we were going to talk to the um talk to the uh, the guardian which is like another role uh, independent yeah. role within within uh, fostering and and stuff and we were going to say look we we don't feel like there's been enough you know you could support mum with this you could support mum with this because they I, there was a kind of perception that because mum had taken this child on this dangerous journey you know that was a risk you know that was one of the risks there were other risks as well but and we were like well it, the the risk of the journey depends on where you're the risk yeah. of where you're coming from do you know what i mean it would yeah. be it would be reckless for me to go on that journey with my kids but depending on the circumstances that you're fleeing from would depend on whether that was mm. like a safe decision so that was one of the things that we were advocating on and some other stuff as well so eventually ended up after about 7 or 8 months they made a plan that both the children could go and live with mom permanently and the pat family was like reunited and they've got a fresh start and a new place to live and so but that was something that was an incredibly difficult journey to go on because you're kind of opening up your heart you're yeah. opening up your home you're kind of then exploring this other opportunity and thinking like okay could this be right but then to see how god like works and it goes back to like i love I love the phrase in in the letter from Pope Francis that talks about um Joseph was respectful and sensitive, you know, because I don't think and going back to what Richard was saying earlier about the way that we perceive men and and mm. dads as as not that as that's a weakness, you know, like if you're emotional or if you're sen- I'm obviously a sensitive guy, you know. <laughs> so like but for me growing up certainly seeing that as a weakness you know seeing that as a flaw rather than a strength you know and 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 you it's so great to hear both of you guys talking about love you know and that that's such a strong role for us as dads you know mm. um you know and i think that yeah so that story for me was like actually to be part of that process of supporting that family through that crisis point and helping them to reunite and reconnect together um was just it's such a privilege and such a yeah such such a encouragement to 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 just be a part of that journey that they were on and being part of God, what God's doing in that family you know that's that's a, such an incredible story Neil and it really sounds like God placed you you and your wife Helen there have the right people where some might yeah. have just gone yes straight away or kind of gone or like oh but you, the way that you really advocated for, uh, for the mother, is an incredible thing. Mm. And I'm not saying it was the easier thing to take the family because that would, that would have been it had its own difficulties and everything. And but it was to, to kind of actually say, no, what's the right thing? Even if yeah. it's the hard thing, even if it's going to take everyone working a little bit harder and everything. That's such a wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing. You can see how it still means so much uh, to you personally as well. It's a mm. A testament to you of a man of and of, of, of a dad, oh. really, of a Christian. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, well, a few months later, we got one of the brilliant moments was we got sent a video of the lad like walking, taking his first oh, steps, and excellent. like stay, trying to stay in touch with the family. And then we also, you know, he got christened, um, oh, and or and, you know, or, or dedicated. Yeah. I, I can't, um, I'm not sure what the right language is in in their <laughs> denomination, but but yeah, the, both the kids were kind of 
taken to church and and like so it's so beautiful to to get those moments off yeah. on the back end you know and and also like to see the extended family that they connected with and you know the support that they were getting you know it's just you know brilliant so that that is a story that definitely gives hope thank you so much Sharon Leo. Richard, <laughs> big shift to following in that one, really. Yeah, how do you follow that? I think um, <laughs> one of the things that I've always loved about, or one of the things that spoke to me very early on about safe families was I was brought up like I used to work for an organisation called Youth for Christ, and I would encourage yep. young people to be missional, share their faith, and being in church all my life, you know, it's been really interesting how, you know, there's different things that adults can invite their friends to. But I was I, I was really struggling for a while to see what we could do as a family, like yeah, a yeah. kind of a family on mission. How do I, mm. how do we do something together that really helps us draw together as a family, but also make an impact on another family? And so that was one of the early things that I saw with, say, families. And one, it was a number of years ago, but a family we supported, we supported as a family. So my wife connected with the mom this mom had got um a toddler who uh from a previous relationship that previous that uh, guy was uh, now in prison but was sending threatening letters to her through okay. her friends and all this kind of stuff and she just felt like she couldn't leave the house she got a new partner who was an amazing guy doted over the child and doted over her um, he'd quit his job because he started feeling anxious about going out and kind of the threats that we're having um, so we were just asked to kind of get alongside the family, take them out with them. So they were going out with other people and so they didn't feel as concerned. And it was really nice. We went to Wollerton Park a couple of times, Markington Park in Derby. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I'd chat with the dad, kind of build his kind of resilience up a little bit. My wife would chat to the mum and uh, the, our kids would play with their little ones. So it was really nice. And we, we'd pray before we went in the car oh, to pick them up and, just a, a really nice moment and interestingly enough so she was a really young mom and uh, when she came uh, out to meet me for the first time so she met my wife a couple of times she was like i recognize you and i was like you know when you dread that <laughs> oh my word how was that and it turns out she used to be in one of my classes when i worked for you for christ in the school and it was in the assemblies and um we'd, we'd totally got it. and she said the one thing i remember about you richard is that you were always smiling and you always had positive things to say about people. So that was a real, because you don't always see the yeah, fruits of no. the interactions that you do. And um, so, so we'd met a couple of times and um, we were at Wollerton Park um, and we were just arranging the next time we'd meet. So my wife got a diary out and um, this mom and dad were like, oh, the mom and, and stepdad, oh, what's that? And Laura's like, oh, it's, it's my diary. It's what I, what I kind of, my life depends on this. If this isn't organised, then, and uh, this mom was like, oh, I've never, never seen a diary since I was like eight years old when you used to write who you fancied and stuff like that. <laughs> um, and so, so never thought anything about it, but the next meeting. And anyway, one of our family support managers went to see mom to see how it was going uh, a few weeks later. The family support manager came back and she said, Rich, what have you and Laura done? And we were like, done have literally just hung <laughs> out with them. Like that's that's all we've done. Um, and anyway, it turns out that having seen my wife with a diary, this mum had got out, got gone out, bought a diary, 
And literally, ever since then, she'd been to uh, taking her child to nursery every day, hit all the GP visits and the health visits that she was not going to previously because she felt anxious. And for the first time, she felt like she had control of her life and that uh, she was just marking down where she was going so she knew she could go, she knew she could get back. Anything happened to her, she that people knew where she was, where she was going. And it totally transformed their life. And, and we were like, spoke to my wife about it, and she was like, we did nothing. But literally, we just, we were going to the park, so we invited them with us. You know, yeah. we we went for a coffee, we invited them with us. Just Just inviting them to be part of what we were doing in our lives, like... There's no hardship on us. No, mm. the kids loved playing with their toddler. I loved them. And, and we only met a couple more times after that, and then they moved away up to uh, kind of Grimsby Way. Um, but you just kind of think, you don't know the impact that you have. And literally, by inviting people to do life with you, like, can totally transform their lives. Um, so, yeah, I, l- l- for a number of reasons, love that little story. Mm. Yeah, I love that. It's amazing. That's an amazing story because I think it, there's such a sweet spot, isn't there, when you just invite people to into your life, you know? And mm-hmm. it, how how true is that of what happened to Joseph? Like God's yeah. like just there. <laughs> and if that beautiful simplicity, because I I used to be a school chaplain, and I got some great advice off um, another friend of uh, Pref, and I started again. And again, tell you one thing. Give the rest of it, do whatever you want to do, where you feel kind of called to do. Give, but remember this give the world have already had their savior and it wasn't you, pal. Yeah, and it's on. like, and it's like, and it's just like, again, he said, like, you don't have to try and save the world again. What you can do is just be yourself in the moment. And that's, and God, God, I've already sent Jesus. Jesus has now gone to heaven so that we can do our bit, <laughs> really. And, uh, and that, I think that story you shared there, Richard, it would be an example of that of just being yourself and, I think it takes the fear out of like, okay, how am I supposed to kind of help the family of actually just to be yourself, just to walk alongside. They're not looking for someone to completely organize their life and parent them. They're just looking for someone to kind of walk alongside them, really. And it- I think we need to get out of the mentality. And I think Western church are probably yeah. worse at this than anyone of like trying to fix things and fix situations. Uh- and, and I, th- was, I think of men were really sometimes we kind of fine-tuned that yeah i remember more i think too much ago joe i don't want this fixed i just want you to listen <laughs> yeah. and, and i think there's something beautiful about going you know it's empathy isn't it look yeah. i don't have the answers but i'm happy to sit with you in this moment and i'm happy to listen to you in this moment and uh and let's have a let's go on that journey that neil was talking about earlier yeah. you know and I don't, you know, and I think that's really hard, especially for a guy to say, yeah. I don't have the answers. Um, and maybe we still hold on to that as guys. Yeah, and, yeah. And, I, and I think it is something that we need to take away from ourselves and go, look, you know, I can do it in my marriage. Like my, my wife's struggling a little bit. Okay. How can I fix that? How can I fix? Do you know what I mean? And I don't know how to fix it. Genuinely, <laughs> do I feel like I should be able to? Yes, I'm the man of the house. I need to be able to do this. I need to be able to make her happy. You know, but the reality is, sometimes I just need to go. Hey, Laura, let's let's just spend time together. And if you want to talk, and I'm here for you. I'm praying for you. 
and have that conversation when you feel you want to have that conversation. And again, it can be like that with volunteering in any situation, not just whether it's fostering 100 homes, whether, say, families, it's whatever volunteer. We often volunteer. You know, we do volunteer because we want to make a difference, but yeah. there's different ways of making a difference. There's a, there's a book I read a number of years ago called Toxic Charity. Uh, Neil's probably read it. I don't know whether you have, Joe. Uh, but, it, but it's about how sometimes we kind of, our heart's in the right place, but we just get it totally wrong. Do you know what I mean? And it's like yeah. we go in with our size 13 feet, to kind of go, okay, you need this, so I'm going to, you know, yeah. Christmas hampers are prime examples, do you know what I mean, of like, oh, I'm going to buy you a loads of, our church are going to buy loads of toys so you can have a great Christmas. And when you hand them over to them, just just the, the, the hit that that takes, particularly on a guy who's supposed to support their family, to suddenly go, oh, I need charity, I'm worthless, yeah. I, you know... There are right ways of doing things and wrong ways, even if our heart's in the right place. And I think sometimes as Christians, as church, we can sometimes get into that habit of going, we know what's best, <laughs> here you go. Yeah. And then them go, kind of going, yeah, you've just made me feel worse. Yeah. So, um, so that idea of just saying, hey, I don't have the answers, but let's hang out together, let's do life together, can be really empowering. So um, my final question is... Um, how can people get involved? The thing that I really were inviting you both on is I'd love, even if it was just one, it'd be great if it was more than one, a uh, family kind of uh, saddled alongside either 100 homes here in Nottingham or one of the safe family uh, branches across, I know you're right across the East Midlands. How, how can somebody who've kind of listened today and go, oh, do you know what? I'm feeling called by God. I'm feeling a little tug on my heart to kind of help in some way. How could they get involved? Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously, I think I touched on this a little bit earlier, but um, put it in the wrong place. But, <laughs> but, right, yeah, um, but yeah, basically with the 100 Homes campaign, you know, we're looking to support and help anyone through the process. So me and Helen are kind of on the end of the phone and, and other foster carers, Christian foster carers, um, who are ready to like help with any questions or anything like that. So um, we've got like a web page on the Nottingham City Prayer uh, website called 100 Homes or 100 Homes Campaign. And then we've also got an email, which is 100homescampaign at gmail.com. Um, so I can send you those links if it, it helps to put them in the description or whatever. Um, but yeah, basically, the, the main things are, you know, everyone can pray uh, for foster carers and for social care and kids in care. Um, you know, many of us can support, you know, if, if you know a foster family or you can offer to build some IKEA furniture or <laughs> support them with a meal. Meals, you know, when they get a, a kid first arrives, are like really key. You know, that, that could be a massive help. Um, or you can be uh, like a registered uh, babysitter, which isn't a big process. It's uh, quite simple, but can be a massive help to a foster family. Um, and then, you know, if... For those that are interested in fostering, um, you know, if you've got room in your house, if you've got time, uh, you know, in your life, and um, if if you've got kind of room in your heart, then you can definitely, or even if you're not sure about all of yeah. those, but you think this might be for you, then I would definitely encourage you to like get involved. It's one of the best things. I'd never thought about it. It's my wife's idea. Um, I'd never thought about it before she brought it up and. 
it's you know one of the best things we've ever done so i would i'd highly recommend it to people that's amazing thank you so much neil and richard how how can people get involved with uh, safe families because i know you're right across the midlands because our, our diocese stretches up northeast to kind of grimsby down south west to lutterworth and left to show out towards marple bridge just outside of stockport so uh, there's lots of opportunities for people to outside of nothing to kind of get involved with safe families as well well, yeah, great. Um, so we talk about three ways that people can get involved. Um, the, the majority of people love to volunteer. Um, so we have two volunteer roles. One's a family friend, which I talked about my role in that, getting alongside a parent or a child as a family as a whole. Um, and that commitment can be anywhere between once a week and once a month. So it, it, we want you to do life together. So that would be great. It's a family friend. We also have host homes so people that may have a child or a couple of children overnight or for a few nights, why the parents just get that bit of extra respite, whether that's in a hospital or just a bit of time on their own. Um, so people can do that. Um, some people love safe families but haven't got the time to um, volunteer but still want to get involved. You can financially support us and um, do that through our website as well or, or be a resource friend. So resource friends are people that maybe have stuff in their home that they don't need anymore, but like, it's like a furniture bank, but there's no space for us to store stuff. It's in people's homes. So yeah. we might put out, oh, we've got a volunteer who needs a stair gate, or, you know, we're looking for a couple of bunk beds. Has anyone got any that they're not using anymore? That kind of thing. So you just sit on the database. You never meet the family, but you might have that. Uh, and then the final thing is pray. Uh, so we send out monthly prayer letters just to kind of get people engaged in that. We believe that the support we give is, is transformational, uh, but that's only because it's connected through prayer. Um, so we want to be better than just good people. We want to transform people's lives. So, uh, yeah, and we have people of um, all faiths and no faith uh, that support, but we are a Christian organisation. Faith is one of our values. And you can find out all about that on safefamilies.uk, which is our main website. Well, fantastic. Thank you both so much. The only thing left to do is just to uh, finish in prayer really so um invite you feel free to tag team or from the take a lead to kind of pray for all our listeners and then i'll conclude by praying for you both and uh safe families and 100 homes great thanks joe yeah lord i thank you for for joe for this podcast for all the people listening and connected um with it um i thank you for people taking the time to learn and to to hear more about um the story of joseph lord and, and and about his life and lord i thank you for the inspiration that you give us through joseph's life and through through the scriptures and i really want to pray for um for say families lord for all the people involved the staff the volunteers <laughs> and um and and for everyone connected with the organization lord that you would help them flourish and to grow and to be able to continue to impact people's lives through the power of uh, of prayer through the power of what you're doing through um these people being your hands and feet lord and father i pray for foster carers up and down the country any foster carers listening um, to this message lord that you would strengthen them and be with them lord be with our social workers who have an incredibly difficult job to do um, in incredibly difficult circumstances, Lord. And pray for those families that are involved in the care system up and down our country, 
Lord, that you would restore them, that you would draw them to you, that you would uh, give them the tools and the skills that they need. Um, and, and Lord, I thank you for our time together uh, today in this conversation. Yes, thank you, God, that you have a true Father's heart for us. And we just thank you for that. Uh, we, can all, we can almost always fall into the trap of thanking you for what you do, but, but who you are is so much more important than what you do, Lord Jesus. And mm. well, thank you for your heart for us as a father. And as we just come to the end of this podcast, we just want to pray for all those families, Lord Jesus, because you have a heart for family that are just vulnerable, isolated and struggling. And we pray that as a church, as a whole, Lord, we're able to come alongside those people in whatever capacity. If, if it's a one, one moment or whether it's a, a longer-term relationship, Lord Jesus, whether it's through fostering, whether it's through volunteering, whether it's just through in our own families, Lord, we pray that you will put in us the same heart for them as you have for us, Lord Jesus. So we want to thank you for... We want to thank you for 100 Homes. We want to thank you for Safe Families. We want to thank you for all the organisations across the UK and across the world that have a heart for children and for families, Lord Jesus. Uh, and most of, most of all, Lord Jesus, we want to lift up your church because it, it's your church that can truly transform this nation and this world with that same Father's heart. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Lord, I thank you so much for Neil and for Richard, for their families, for 100 homes and safe families, and all that they're doing to respond to your call to love. Thank you for the witness of Joseph, who is kind of the example on earth of you, our loving father, who's the father to the fatherless, the protector of the widow. We place into your hands all of the families who are being touched by 100 homes or by safe families. I ask you to send your Holy Spirit on all those listening so that they can be encouraged to respond to your call. And if it is to foster or to just be a family um, friend or a resourcing uh, friend, that you'll give them the courage to say yes and the opportunities to live out that calling. And we entrust that we come to the end of this podcast series, all those who've listened all the men and the wider families as well who may have listened as well, that you'll keep encouraging them to see that by their desire to be a better father, you will see it to flourishing. In your name, Lord, we make this prayer. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, uh, Richard and Neil, for giving up <laughs> your time today and uh, sharing such great wisdom uh, with us as I've learned and kind of grown so much by this and been inspired by you both. And I really do hope that you continue to be able to give so much of yourselves and that you see the fruit of your labor as well. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, thank you, Joe. I really appreciate you having us on and giving us a chance to talk. And thank you, everyone, for listening to us uh, over the last, I think, just over a year that we've kind of been going and uh, stay tuned to see what kind of podcast we kind of come up with uh, next. And if you've enjoyed the series, do pass it on to somebody else you think could 
appreciate it as well. And if you check on whatever your listeners is on in the description, there'll be links to both 100 Homes and Safe Families. So you don't have to go far to try and find your way to get involved. So until next time, God bless and be assured of my prayers. Thank you very much for joining us for all seven episodes of A Father's Heart. This is the end of this podcast series, but we hope to be returning soon with more podcasts to help you grow in your faith and your relationship with Christ and his church. In the meantime, please do make sure you follow us on social media, Diocese Nottingham Formation for Mission, as well as visit our website, www.diocesenottingham.uk for all the latest information about events, opportunities and resources for you, your parish and your family. God bless and please do keep us and our work in your prayers as we keep you in ours.